We should just turn the record button on when we're done mentioning people's names. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As soon as we're not mentioning specific people anymore and are actually saying things that right. are good, we should record I'm going to start just recording our conversations. Probably the best way to get podcast episodes out. All right. Welcome back. We are finally back in the studio, by which I mean sitting in my office, and we're ready to record another episode and try to get this out quickly before the election. So fair warning, disclaimer, this episode is about the 2020 election. Prepare to get triggered. All right, we're going to talk about, we're going to have a, a rambling conversation about several issues surrounding the election. Um, we're only a, a couple days out from the general election, and uh, we, want, we want to bring up just a couple random issues, a couple common misunderstandings, uh, ridiculousnesses, is that a word, and uh, other points of interesting conversation. All right. So the first thing I wanted to bring up was on my Facebook post, uh, the beginning of this month, maybe a while ago, I posted a quote from John MacArthur that says, if you're a Christian, you cannot vote for a person or party that slays babies in the womb. All right. Now scale of one to 10, how controversial do you think that should be? It shouldn't be controversial at all. <laughs> this is, I mean the, the most woke, all right, not the most woke, right? But um, some of the definitely leaning woker, more, you know, gospel coalition type people uh, like Al Mohler and Jonathan Lehman, um, who are, you know, we have a lot of appreciation for. I've learned a ton from both of those guys, but, you know, they're definitely, they lean a little bit. So they're sliding that way. They're sliding social justice and um, that kind of stuff. But like both Jonathan Lehman and Al Mohler, who are the, the more social justice woke leaning guys of the generally conservative evangelical world have both said, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that a Christian can vote for a Democrat. Right. I mean, they've, they've both pretty much come out and said, I don't think Christians can really be aligned with the democratic party anymore. 70 years ago. Okay. Right. But back then it was like, everybody wanted Liberty. Everybody wanted more or less the same basic things for America. It was just a matter of, going down the right road to that destination or the left load road to that destination. Right. And now it's like opposite directions. Yep. Literally life or death, literally liberty or tyranny, mm-hmm. um, wild contrasts. And, uh, and so my, my point is this should not be controversial anyway. So people jumped all over me for sharing that MacArthur quote that, um, Christians cannot, rightly vote for a person or party that slays babies in the womb. I don't think that's controversial. I okay. I don't think that should be controversial. I know for some reason that that is uh <laughs> controversial, but it shouldn't be. So, people jumped all over it, said, "Well, you really can't vote for either side." I mean, Christians certainly can't vote for the other side either. I mean, you know, Trump's a vile person, so can't vote for him either. So, um Somebody said, in a perfect world, where would the vote go? So, you know, I said, well, unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world. And the choice is always between imperfect people, uh, between imperfect options. But that doesn't mean that they're equally unavailable to Christians. There's a difference between voting for somebody because you think that he is in every way a morally upright and competent um, person who has the best policies that you could have ever imagined, you know, uh, there's a difference between that and voting for somebody because it's clearly the better option of the two options that we have. Mm -hmm. I I don't know that. And, and the, you know, Christians, there are so many people and so many people on Facebook that, that are like that I'm Facebook friends with because they're really solid conservative guys that I want to follow. And tons of people are like, well, it's not a Christian option to vote for the lesser of two evils. You know, right. and there's there's some Spurgeon quote or something about that that's like, evil isn't an option. So you can't vote for the lesser of two You know, right. everybody's talking about I, that. And it's like, guys, every single election since 
nine, sorry. <laughs> Whenever uh, Washington became president, right. every single election has been the lesser of two evils. Even when there are more options, it's really, you know, between two people. Right. Even back before the two-party system was uh, around. A monopoly. Yeah, before it was, the system was monopolized by two parties, it was still the lesser of two evils. Yeah. It was still the best of the best two options. Right. And if you want to word that, the best of the best two options, if you want to word that as the lesser of two evils, well, that's fine. You can mm. grant the depravity of I, man right and I left think... all you want, but... That's how it is. Those I, are our options. Which one is going to be better is going to end with a slower descent to yeah. madness, tyranny, slaughter of the unborn, which is going to quicken the, the right. descent to tyranny. And <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the two things come to mind. The first thing is that I think we've really, we really misunderstand the presidency or have miscategorized it now. Yeah. We think way too much of it as a king, kingship. Yeah, right, we right. we place too much emphasis on it as it is, right. and the presidency has more power than it should. The executive branch as a whole uh-huh. is has gained and grown um, massively in the last hundred years, and so I think it's really hundred plus. But I really think it's that's part of it. Is that you know part of you know recently John Piper's argument was. Um, talking about one of the the kings of Israel, talking about how that king led the whole nation astray, basically because his character was bad, because he was sinful. But it's it's not a good argument, and there's tons of articles. We've, we've both posted articles on our social media um, that were excellent refutations of that. So I think that's part of it. I think we think about the presidency totally wrong, and we completely overlook... Yeah our local officials and judges who we get to vote on and we don't even know who they are or what their names are going into a, a poll booth right. and you're already worn out somebody recently i heard on a podcast pointing out you know by the time i get down to the last pages of the vote i'm just kind of like uh i don't know what this is yeah sure no and yeah, those are probably right. the things that are going to affect you most they're like local local proposals from your township or something mm-hmm. So I think that's a huge problem. We focus way too much on it, and it's been built up into this big, powerful position like a king. And I think right. that the second issue is that somebody would challenge you and say, and we were just talking about this with, you know, you've been teaching quite a bit on conscience throughout mm-hmm. the last six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would say, well, what if I just think he's really immoral? Does it not violate my conscience? to vote for an immoral man. How to, how should I, can I violate? Why should I violate my conscience? If it bothers me to vote for Trump, you know, how can I violate my conscience? Yeah. So I I think that's also part of the issue. And and we've seen again, Piper, uh, and quite a few, um, guys from, you know, randomly from the gospel coalition or probably even the, I haven't checked, but probably the ERLC has probably put out something, yeah. Uh, we know they, that's the way they would lean anyway about, right. you know, just to get it out there, not to vote for him. But there was also, um, from our alma mater, Cedarville university for our undergraduate recently mm-hmm. a chapel, um, speaker, one of the, um, probably one of the most respected men in the, the history, history department, uh, law teaching yeah. constitutional law and, and a lot, quite a few history courses, um, sat in chapel in front of over 3,000 students and told them it is not a viable option to vote for the current president. Did he word it that way? Uh, no. But he... <laughs> but that was the clear that message. That was the clear message was that... And he used the same argument as Piper that, you know, we need to be morally... We need to vote for more moral society, moral leaders... And then he said some stuff I didn't. Okay, people are wording it that way, right? Right. We need to vote for a more moral society. Oh, okay. Which result do you think is going to... Which election result do you think is going to result in a more moral society? Mm -hmm. A president who wants to stall the hurtling towards partial birth abortion? (laughs) Or the president who wants to... In, radically increase the number of abortions. Right. At that issue alone. All right, let's talk about the single issue voter thing. Since, <laughs> Go since, ahead. Since we keep yeah. bringing up the abortion thing. Yeah, and then I'm going to throw a monkey wrench into your, your argument you just said. That's fine. Uh, 
everybody is jumping all over Christians for being single issue voters because of abortion. Right. right. They throw it out there like <clears throat> it's this nasty thing you're it's doing. The, the worst thing you could be is a single issue voter. There's there are so many more things to take into account. You know, mm-hmm. like like how the president is going to treat the poor people, and you know what what's he going to do for my job and things like that or my which free first, college. Which first of all, the president should have shouldn't have anything to do with any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's beside the point. John Piper, which is ironic that it was him several years ago because of his recent article, but you know he, which I think he would probably, he may stand by it. I mean, he was not in his article. He was not saying that he was voting for Biden, right? He was saying. Well, he tweeted he's not. He didn't vote yeah. for either. Yeah, he. It was pretty. You could you could kind of tell he was clearly not voting for Biden. That wasn't his argument. Mm. But he was basically making the argument that it's it's just as much not an option for Christians to vote for Trump, and but uh, anyway, so it doesn't necessarily negate his point. But it's several years ago, he said something about um, saying that not voting for a candidate because he supports abortion makes you a single issue voter mm. is like saying refusing to date a a serial killer makes you a single issue dater. You know, right, right. It was something along those lines of like, it's not a matter of uh, being a like a single issue voter is is this bad thing. It's a single issue. It's a single issue litmus test, right? It's a single issue litmus test. It's a if he can't if somebody can't even get this issue right, and it is the 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 most serious presenting problem in America right now, um, closely followed by the sexual perversions that surround it. Um, but abortion is, is clearly the biggest presenting moral ethical issue in America right now and facing the church right now. Um, and it's, it, it's by far a big enough issue for that to be my litmus test. Mm -hmm. If you can't even get this right, then why should I listen to you about anything else you're going to try to say about justice and how to lead the country? Right. It's bizarre. And as many people have said, many pastors have said, you know, four years ago almost, around this time, mm-hmm. <laughs> we had no necessary reason to believe that this crazy, immoral businessman from New York right. would do the th- conservative things he said he would do. And I think you've been proved wrong over four years when you look right. at how he's he's presided over the country and done things. Um, I, I think you, you can't hold up that argument anymore. And so now you're just saying, well, he's yeah. still really immoral. Um, the, so here's the, the monkey wrench. And I did look, there's an editor's note at the bottom of that, uh, article Piper recently uh-huh. posted. And it says editor's note after this article was published, John Piper tweeted the article we posted today explains why I won't be voting for Biden or Trump. That choice to write in is relatively unimportant, but the reasoning really matters. Hmm. So there's the monkey wrench. Well, why can't I just write in a vote? Why can't I just vote for some pot smoking doofus or some, I don't know if there's actually a pot smoking doofus running in a, you know, third party, uh, or, you know, some libertarian candidate or, uh, you know, a write-in. So that preserves my conscience, right? That that mm. keeps me from having to vote yeah. for an immoral man or um, somebody who wants to support murder of the mm. unborn. What do you say to that? Well, I I think it really it really does come down to your view of the Christian's responsibility in voting. Right. Um, those who say that their conscience won't allow them to vote for Trump because he's arrogant, braggadocious, uh, you know was immoral in his past or something like that. Whatever the issues are, he's distasteful to listen to. You know, whatever the issues are, <laughs> he's mean. Um, it's probably because they view their responsibility in the election process as only giving their vote to someone who agrees with them on moral and spiritual issues, or at least at least as a, a moral and ethical candidate to the to the nth degree. Obviously we we need somebody who is ethical in his basic workings or it's not gonna work. But so they're appalled at the notion that any good Christian could vote for um, somebody who uh, has um, sins on the outside, right? That, that's what it comes mm-hmm. down to is how could a Christian vote for a man who 
everybody can see what his sins are. Right. Well, we're not going to get somebody who doesn't struggle with sin. Right. Just because his sins are obnoxious does not mean that it's any worse than, and you know, and this is similar to Piper's argument, but um, I think undoing his argument that <laughs> this guy's sins that are just more obnoxious and more obvious, it doesn't mean that he's necessarily all that much worse than somebody who has a lustful and hateful heart and mm-hmm. and nobody can really tell from listening right. to his speeches. You know? So wait, are you saying that all sins are just equal? <laughs> all, all sins are equal in the sense that every sin is equally damning uh, before God, right? Right. All sins are absolutely not equal in their temporal consequence. I would argue even in their eternal consequence, mm-hmm. but all sins are not equal in their temporal consequences or their import for things like running a country. Right. If I am lazy, that's going to cause some problems for my trying to run the country. If I fully support the uh, slaughter of unborn children, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that that's going to radically affect my ability. The point is, some sins will very much yeah. directly affect the legitimacy of a candidate to... Um, be the executive of a country. Right. And some sins, like they have a pride problem, uh, are not going to affect <laughs> the well-being of the nation right? And, in the same way yeah. as somebody who is going to legalize and push for right. the sexualization of small children and the murdering of unborn children. Right. <laughs> and, and this is something that uh, the professor at Cedarville you know, he pointed out, and this was a really big hang up for him is that, you know, the current, you know, President Trump has said that these dictators in the other countries, great guys, great guys, love them, love these guys, uh-huh. good, good people, all this stuff that he always says about mm-hmm. everyone. And yes, is that arrogant? Is that lying? Is it? Yes. Like we're saying those sins are bad, but mm-hmm. did he follow up on those things with, you know, letting them get away with, you know, China get away with stuff. No, he's been hard on China. Right. He, he's, he's done things with foreign affairs that and actually were good. Yeah. And look, the fact is, and everybody's jumping all over because, and we agree those are wicked things to say yeah. about, about those wicked rulers. Absolutely. <laughs> but everybody's jumping all over Christians for saying Christians cannot rightly vote for somebody who openly supports and pushes for abortion, LGBT stuff, socialism, everything else that's the basically the official platform of the Democratic Party. Right. Um, Everybody jumps all over, well, Trump hasn't got rid of abortion. So it's not like (laughs) it's not like that's going to be the salvation of, you know, oh, he appointed however many conservative judge supposedly originalist judges to the Supreme sure. Court and Roe v. Wade is still around. Right. So who's laughing now? Right. And it's like, hold on. You genuinely think that the more originalist judges on the Supreme Court is no better than right. somebody who doesn't actually care what the Constitution says and thinks it's a living yeah. document? You genuinely think that it's no better now? Or are you really just throwing abortion in our faces mm-hmm. to say really you should vote for somebody who wants to increase abortion. Right. But what, what kind of circular argument is that? It doesn't work. Right. And it's not a matter of, uh, it, there, there's a difference between voting for Trump because you think he's going to end abortion, which we don't, um, and voting for him because it's crucial that we don't have a president who wants to encourage and increase abortion. Mm-hmm. There's a, a wild, vast difference right. between the two. And if you really think Roe versus Wade is going to go away just because we get the right balance on the Supreme Court, then you're being foolish. Right. Because we're not in the position we're in because of our court necessarily. Right. We had, I believe, if correct me if I'm wrong, but we had more Republican or conservative judges on the court when Roe v. Wade was pushed through. I don't know. I I, I read it. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't research it, uh-huh. but I did read that recently in studying something. Maybe I'm wrong. You can fact check me. Uh-huh. But the fact is, we're in the position we're in because we have we have wickedness in our country. We have people that want to worship sexuality and want to worship 
hedonism, want to be pleasured and have no consequences, we have abortion because of that, regardless of, of Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. We have abortion <laughs> because of that. And part of the problem is, is that the church for years and years and years really wanted to step out of the public sphere or the, right. I don't know how you want to phrase that, the, the mm-hmm. social sphere, the economic political sphere, discourse. the political discourse. There yeah. you go. They wanted to, the church really wanted to step out of that, yeah. make everything about, um, you know, it's all, well, it's all the hyper spiritual. Well, let them do their thing. Right. It's not going to affect the mm-hmm. church. We're just going to be faithful. America, you know, the political scene is going to hell in a handbasket, right. but we'll just keep the church pure and stuff. Okay, did that work with divorce? Right. Because that was the exact same argument with mm-hmm. divorce. And the rates uh, Well, are... let them do what they're going to do. The, the church is just going to remain faithful. No, the rates have just climbed and climbed right. in the church, too. Same thing happened with abortion. Uh, same thing ha- is happening now with um, the LGBT stuff. It, mm-hmm. it, it's just not the case right. that we're going to be this contained bubble in the church that remains... Un, uh, untainted, unaffected in any way from what's going on in the world. We have to engage with the community and the society around us. Right. We have to take dominion of right. the world around us. That right. that has never gone away. We have that mandate at the beginning of Scripture, at the beginning of the world, right. for mankind to take dominion. And even after the faults reiterated with the Noahic Covenant, to be dominion takers. Right. And so we have that as as something that we should be doing. And I think a lot of Christians want to back out of that and say, well, you know, I really don't need to influence this or that. It's the world's system. No, right. it's it's actually God's world. Right. He bought it. It's his. Right. And we are his people. And I'm not saying, <laughs> and then some people like to immediately jump to, so the, you know, we, we should start a, applying the, the Old Testament laws to, to America today. And it's like, no, not necessarily but we can gain a whole bunch of wisdom and insight into what justice looks like mm. from looking at quite a few of those laws. Right. And everybody likes to jump to the outliers and say, so we should stone uh-huh. our children when they disobey. It's like, right. okay, well maybe you should research that passage in <laughs> yeah. depth and then the, we'll talk there's about There's more it. to it than, yeah. than what people So, But we can, we can look at God's word and we as God's people understand what true justice, what true morality, what true, um, you know, what some of the best, truest systems of government could look like. And again, you've pointed out that God gives us a lot of leeway, actually, in how we govern, in the, the system we use, right. the methods. Right. So he's established the function of civil government, but mm, the, but the, form, the is form is not, is not prescribed. Exactly. So we as Christians should be involved in the form of it. Right. Because we have that responsibility as right. dominion takers. We have that responsibility to love our neighbor and and the function of the function of civil government is to establish the platform of upholding justice whereon citizens can exercise pursue and exercise dominion right that, and, you know that's it that's the government's job is to uphold justice mm-hmm. so that we can live in a civil society right wherein we can pursue taking dominion through work and mm-hmm. everything else. Um, but your point about loving your neighbor is, is important too, because you know, the, the idea of dominion is foreign to a lot of people in our circles. It's also, it's such a big concept and, and you can zoom in to the immediate with the simple dynamic of we are commanded to love our neighbor. Right. We have at our disposal a mechanism by which we can influence the course our society takes mm-hmm. that will immediately affect the well-being of our neighbor. Right. So, <laughs> so love of neighbor is actually one of the, it's basically uh, the biggest reason to care about the political process. Right. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think that's why it's also important for Christians to not just stop it. Like, fine, I'll go vote, but I'm not voting for either party. It's like, well, yeah, okay, but so, look, you need ahead. to you need to think through it. I uh-huh. and I want to be critical on Christians for this. I again, somebody's going to argue like, well, mm-hmm. you're telling me to violate my conscience because it would violate my conscience yeah. to vote for the mainline Republican party. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Let me trace that down. Okay, okay. Go ahead. I I want you to. That's we, why I said it again. We believe <laughs> that the Christians responsibility in our 
sojourn here in America mm-hmm. as uh, foreigners, now mm-hmm. that we are citizens of Christ's right. kingdom, um, our responsibility is to seek the welfare of the nation in which we are in exile, right? Jeremiah right. 29, somewhere in there. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so a lot of people respond, well, don't you think a good Christian man in office would be much better, assuming his competence, right? Right. Um, would be much better for the nation than a brash, crude, unmoored unbeliever? Well, sure. Maybe. Certainly. I'm in general. Okay. All things, <laughs> in general. Con- all things considered equal. Yeah. If his competence and everything like that yeah. is, is equal. Well, sure. That'd be great. So if wait, we can have a Russell a, Moore versus Trump. <laughs> no, if we can have a good Christian man, <laughs> oh, okay. uh, who, who has a, a good head on his shoulders. He's competent. He has good policies. Oh, okay. Sure. That'd right. be great. But is that good, competent Christian, a legitimately available candidate? Right. In the sense that, you know, legitimately available candidate, meaning he would act, it would actually be possible for him to gain the 270 or whatever it is, mm-hmm. electoral votes needed to win the election. Uh, I don't know, but I don't think so. Right. right? I do not think <laughs> that there is somebody who is uh, other than Trump or Biden mm-hmm. that is a legitimately available candidate. Right. And, and regrettably so. Right. America has unfortunately become inextricably, seemingly inextricably. Um, entrenched in the two-party system, which doesn't allow for the variety of positions that exist with, right. on, the, and, on the broad spectrum and of, we, from conservative to progressive. And we don't like that. We mourn that. And that's we, not good. We don't think that's how things were intended. I wish it wasn't the case. From, but the, it, from the beginning of the, the founding. But it is the case for now, mm-hmm. right? And while it, it could be possible for enough uh, Democrats and liberals in the classical sense of those words to leave the Democratic Party for for a third party and enough Republicans and conservatives in the classical sense of those Mm -hmm. words to leave the Republican Party for a third party. The numbers, both of the general population and of the state electors, dictate that at least for this election cycle and the next couple probably, it would be so close to impossible as to be statistically insignificant Mm -hmm. for a third party to actually win 270 electors electors needed to become president in other words it's just the case that the only two realistically available candidates are trump or biden Mm -hmm. and for that reason my my conscience would legitimately accuse me if i voted for a for a third party candidate simply because president trump uh you know is distasteful or something right um now if you're listening to this in california you have no choice right i was in washington state in 2016 my vote for a conservative president did not matter yeah at that didn't hear uh people are projecting california going red (laughs) i don't think it will happen but um yeah people are anticipating that's california going for trump yeah so um so that the question really remains between the two candidates that everybody knows are the only two who have a chance in this election cycle, which one will be better for the welfare of the nation? That's what it comes down to. Right. Or to put it another way, um, which candidate will more faithfully execute the duties of government, which is protecting innocent life, punishing evil. Right. Right. That's it. Which of the two candidates, which of the two realistically, legitimately available candidates are going to more effectively and faithfully execute the duties of government, which is upholding justice right. by protecting innocent life and right. punishing intra-jurisdictional crime. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the function of right. government. Or to put it another way, which vote will be a more faithful expression of my love for my neighbor, mm-hmm. right? like you said? Let me jump to the issue of the of the conscience again, real quick. Yeah. So the there's so much to say about the conscience. People. <laughs> I was just, about to pe- jump into it too. So people just really disagree, di- uh, misunderstand mm-hmm. the the conscience in general and how that works. Um, two of the biggest. Uh, well, I've, I lost my second one. One of the biggest misunderstandings um, is is about how my conscience interacts with other people. My conscience is not at play when I am deciding if what somebody else is doing is sinful or not. Right. Your conscience is the the faculty of your soul weighing on uh, evaluating your actions and either accusing you of having sinned or 
um, excusing you of, as having done the good. You know, um, it's not it's not something that you know drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. If I think it's a sin, right? You drinking alcohol does not violate my conscience, right? Right. I might think that it's wrong for you to do that, sure. But my conscience is not at play. If I'm considering partaking while I think it's a sin, my conscience is going to be warning me, right? right. It's going to send right. up, it's going to be blinking, a blinking but, red light. But this is the exact but, opposite thing that people take out of the passages where we get this principle. Right. And so it, in matters of conscience where uh, this person's conscience is telling them that it would be a sin for them to do something and my conscience telling me that it would not be a sin for me to do that, then you interact with grace, patience, charity, knowing that one or both of you <laughs> is wrong, mm. right? Um, and so, but here, okay, there's so much to say about the conscience, <laughs> but this, this, is, this is where I always go with the election discussion about the conscience, because that's the big thing is, is everybody, Piper and everybody, is saying their conscience won't let them vote for um, a person yeah, who is... Yeah morally distasteful right mm-hmm. and, and i don't mean to downplay the immorality of things by by wording it that way i just mean that's what it comes down to that that's yeah. all it is is you think um this person has distasteful sin patterns so i i my conscience will accuse me of uh, of sinning if i vote for them and and that's also i remembered my second point the other big misunderstanding about the conscience is we tend to think that my conscience is at play when I'm struggling through trying to decide what the wisest strategy is. Mm-hmm. Your conscience has nothing to do with that. Your conscience warns you of sin or um, leaves you alone if you are not sinning. Okay, sin, you know, sinning by the standards, by the highest standard that your conscience has, right? So you, we can recalibrate our conscience to be more in line with scripture and things like that. But as far as I know, what I believe to be sin, my conscience will accuse me of sin if I do that. Right. My conscience could be wrong, which is why, you know, just because your conscience is warning you about voting for Trump, mm-hmm. it doesn't actually mean that it would be sinful. Right. Because um, <laughs> your conscience can be wrong. But the the issue, but my, my point was, when I'm thinking through what the wisest strategy for something is, that's not a matter of my conscience is warning me. Your conscience warns you of sin. So it's not a matter, which is, which is just, it's just an important point because a lot right. of people throw the conscience out as an excuse, mm-hmm. as a trump card, no pun intended, um, <clears throat> when they want to say, I, I don't think that it would be a good vote. I don't think it would be a wise strategy. I don't think it's the best option, I, you know. Right. Well, it's the that, same way. That's how that's that's when people throw the conscience out a lot is I don't think it would be the best option or the wisest strategy. So my conscience is telling me I can't do that. No, your conscience (laughs) warns you of sin. Mm -hmm. So if you think that doing that would be sinful, then your conscience is warning you. You know, it's the same thing with alcohol, though. I had this conversation with a, uh, a believer just a few months ago this summer, and he was just saying, I just can't. Uh, to me, it's just so insane that Christians would drink alcohol knowing other Christians struggle with it. Mm-hmm. And he kept going on, and I said, wait, so do you believe it's a sin? After you know railing against it and right, how foolish right. it was, and he goes, well, no. Uh-huh. It's like, well, wait, if you, if you don't believe it's a sin, you just think it's incredibly unwise, but then you say no right. Christian should... It's the right. exact same argument exactly. you just laid out. They say, well, I think it's really unwise, but then they say you shouldn't do it right. because it's unwise. Right. So it's not even their conscience. They're literally just saying... They don't I think, think this it's a is, wise strategy. Right. They, they and they it's a wise practice. And they're acting like it actually is a sin. Right. Even though they will tell you, I don't necessarily think yeah. it's a, always a sin or okay, something. Okay, when you push me, I know Scripture right. doesn't, in fact... Right. Say it's a sin. So that's a relatable aspect of, of a, what you're talking about. You're absolutely right. Because that, that's the kind of thing that happens is, okay, if it's not a sin, then number one, your conscience isn't bothering you about it, mm. uh, isn't warning you about it. Your conscience warns you of sinning. Um, and number two, if it's not a matter of sin, leave other believers alone. <laughs> right. <laughs> that If, if right. it's a matter of uh, I mean, even if it is a matter of conscience, the Pauline t- 
teaching on it is leave each other alone. Mm-hmm. But if it's, uh, and, and really, and there are two distinct issues really, because now that I say that I have to clear this up too, because there are two distinct issues right there. Your conscience is always at play when there's, uh, questions of sin involved. Um, really what Paul is discussing, discussing in, in some of those instances is what's called indifferent matters. Hmm. Um, it's not, it's not questionable matters. Like it's not really clear whether this is sin or not. Some people are really convinced it's sin and some people are really convinced it's not sin. And so, um, the people who are really convinced it's sin, well, yeah, it makes sense that they would be concerned that their brothers in Christ are sinning, right? Because from their perspective, their brothers in Christ are sinning. That's, that's problematic. But Paul in his instruction is clearing up that the specific instant, the specific topics that he's talking about are what he calls indifferent matters. Meaning you're not sinning. If you do, you're not sinning if you don't. Right. It's, it's indifferent. Yeah. So leave each other alone. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. It's not a problem. If you partake, it's not a problem if you don't partake. Um, so, so let me, let me follow this, uh, implication of the conscience thing. Yeah. I, I just think, and, and maybe I'm going too far with this, but I always want to be sure to press people to apply their principles mm. across the board, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't see how you can say that your conscience won't allow you to vote for President Trump, and then you continue to drink Starbucks coffee or shop at Target. Sure. I, I mean, it's the if you think your conscience would bother you to indirectly vote for a distasteful or immoral man uh, for public office. Right. Right. Because it is it is it's, indirect. It's indirect. That's a very right? good way of putting it's, it. You're sending your vote to your state, letting your state know which electors to select. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's indirect. Um, and the electors are the ones who actually elect the president. And if you don't like that, if you don't understand that. You know, you need to study history and study federalism. Because we really don't want a popular vote. We do not want a popular vote. The whole point of the Electoral College is that we as Pennsylvanian citizens, we are not supposed to interact directly with the federal government. Right. That's how, that's what the whole Electoral College is about. And the states created the federal government and the states select the the general government positions. And in effect, it will strip probably millions of people of their vote. Oh yeah. Their votes I just mean, are not going to count. Like the, the national popular vote movement thing. Mm-hmm. If that, it gets enough States that's going to completely make our votes meaningless. Right. Because New York and California are going to pick the president. You know? Right. Exactly. I mean, it's just the electoral college is a, a, an unbelievably wise, right. Uh, thing that, that, that the founders did and a natural thing out of the the federal system that they created. And we don't understand it because we don't understand federalism mm-hmm. anymore. But so if you think that your conscience would bother you to indirectly vote for a certain person for president, I just, I don't, I think it seems inconsistent um, for you to have a clear conscience when you walk into stores and give direct monetary support right. to businesses that enable, practice, endorse, and celebrate immorality, mm-hmm. Right. If you can't convince yourself to voice to your state your support of President Trump's or, or a certain person's policies, mm-hmm. because that's, you know, uh, I think it's um, Moeller has made a point about that. Doug Wilson has made a, a lot of points about that. Wayne yeah. Grudem um, in 2016 and this year has just been right. hammering away. His articles are so good. Yeah. At, I mean, uh, President Trump has appointed over 300 federal um, judges mm-hmm. in, in, in this past term, that alone is monumental. Right. And we're not saying they're going to be perfect. Like, Oh, they're going to be so conservative. No, no probably not. They're probably, There's a good be- history they're probably of- better than who Hillary <laughs> yes, would have appointed. Right. Right. Exactly. That's what it comes the down next, to. You know, Ruth Vader Ginsburg. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I said Vader. <laughs> I heard that. I thought, I thought maybe it was a mistake. Nope. Wasn't a mistake. Smart. So, I, I just, I don't know. I think that, I think we have to be really careful. Mm-hmm. Um, people are, and all the stuff with the virus situation and everything, people are just, everything is emotional and people are throwing around strong words like conscience mm-hmm. and stuff. And they're not really following through on the implications. Yeah. They're, they're, 
they're stating th- certain things to be their principles, but then they're actually violating their principles. Right. It, whereas if they just think it through and have certain mm-hmm. other principles, then you're not violating your, your principles, right? I do not think that I'm celebrating President Trump's um, sin patterns right. <laughs> by voting for him. Yeah. Because my, my principles don't state uh, a Christian must only vote for a morally upstanding, upright person. Yeah. Uh, my, my principles state I need to do what's, what's in my power in the political system that we find ourselves in uh, in our sojourn here on earth to uh, seek the welfare of the nation yep. and love my neighbor. Right. So of the legitimately available options, who's going to, who's going to more effectively um, uphold justice? Who's right. going to more effectively carry out the duties of government? Yeah. I, one thing Dr. Smith did say back to that Cedarville argue, um, chapel service, uh-huh. the end of it, I, I agreed with. He said voting, now when you vote, voting isn't enough. We have to change the hearts and minds of people in this nation through the gospel. Mm-hmm. This is what we're talking about. Yeah. I agree with him on that point, yeah. but this is what it looks like. Right. It looks like faithful teaching, right. faithful attendance in your local church, right. and you know, faithful members, faithful shepherds. Yeah, we, we tend to use that kind of statement to say voting's really not that important. Right. <laughs> that's not it's the opposite know, that's like uh, yeah it's the opposite it's voting is important and there are all these other things that are also your responsibility right it's not like well voting isn't everything therefore it's not that important it's like with the theological discussion of essentials versus non-essentials and everybody has two categories of what's essential to be saved mm-hmm. and then everything else is unimportant those are not the only two categories of theology. Right. And it, it's just like that. Uh, well, voting isn't everything. Okay, well, that, that does not mean that it's insignificant. Right, right. And I think it's really, it's a cop-out on the Christian's part to go with these bad lines of reasoning, these bad arguments that people like Piper and Dr. Smith have put out there over at Cedarville. Uh, and to go with these lines of argument, it's it's almost lazy in a way. Mm. And it, it they refuse to think through the end game. As Doug Wilson recently put it in one of his posts, he said he was talking about um, moving after the election. He said, when you vote your conscience, and he means when you refuse to vote for Trump, right? And when you vote your conscience and the country descends into chaos, mm-hmm. and, and that's where I like to cut it off. But he's talking about, he said, <laughs> then you can still move to a red state, and I guess we'll take you anyway, because... Uh, right. It's America, and it's yeah. it's your free choice, at least what's left of it, right? Yeah. But that but idea... It, but his point is, when the country descends into chaos, <laughs> right. because you voted your conscience, How is your, where, where are you going to move? Where are you going to move? You're going to move to Trump country. Right. <laughs> where is your conscience... How is your conscience going to feel? And this is the point I've been trying to make with some people, is like, how, how will your conscience accuse you after this election, right. if Trump does not win, and we don't take back the Senate and the House... Yeah. Right. We're in trouble. That, that's, you know, and it's just like the stuff with the virus is it just keeps coming back to that yeah. is w- Christians are so worried about being careful mm-hmm. and cautious and agreeable and agreeable through all of this. And, and really the ultimate issue is who's going to be vindicated when everything settles down. Right. That's the, that's the question. Yeah. Who's going to be vindicated. Are you going to look back and say, well, I was, yeah, I was pretty cautious. I didn't make any ripples and I did whatever I was told. Right. And I, you know, well, I was just seeking that quiet didn't, life. Didn't question anything, or are you gonna look? Or are, are you gonna look back and say, "Yeah, everybody was was angry with me for doing what I was doing." Yeah. Um, and turns out, I, I'm totally vindicated. Turns right. out, I wasn't breaking the right. law. They were right. You know? And uh, yeah. okay, all right, the necessary implication of w- what we were just talking about mm. is that that Christians have to be informed about yes. social and political. Issues, you know, mm-hmm. a responsible citizen who wants to partake in the election process um, to the best of his ability and for the good of his family and neighbor and nation needs to take the initiative to be informed and competent so as to vote responsibly and from a position of wisdom and, and understanding. Right? right. I mean, we have to understand these things a little bit if we're going to actually vote responsibly. And, I, and I don't I don't think that means you have to know everything there is to know about politics and economics. And I don't think you have to understand everything there is to know about the differences between <laughs> capitalism and socialism right. and, and feudalism. Right. And you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to grasp the philosophical foundations of 
conservatism versus liberalism versus progressivism. You don't have to be a constitutional expert or anything like that, but you mm -hmm. ought to know something of the basic structure of our Republican government. You ought to know why the founders thought it was important, why the market system of economics is valuable for the well-being of everyone involved. Um, in other words, if you want to be a responsible citizen, you want to be somewhat aware of the basics of politics and economics, stay relatively up to date mm -hmm. on current events, and be able to evaluate these things through the lens of biblical truth. Yes. And we'll share some, we'll, we'll put some links on, yeah. on what we think are some good resources to just stay up to date on stuff and hear things, hear about stuff from a biblical perspective. So what we're saying is we think that it's our responsibility, both as faithful Christians and good citizens, to vote for a candidate whose policies and philosophy will most effectively preserve the welfare of the nation, protect innocent life, punish evil, and provide for the tranquil and quiet life for us and our neighbor mm -hmm. to pursue glorifying God. Right. One thing I, I, I did want to bring attention to is that as you know, those of you who have listened to all this, you're not convinced, um, you're believers, and you just think, I cannot vote in this election, or I cannot vote for a mainline party. You know, I need to just throw my vote away or mm. you know that's a rough term but mm. <laughs> you're participating in your civic duty but you know it's not going to do anything yeah. um for those of you that are doing that just remember which, which i which i would say is a spurious way of right trying to participate you know trying to sure perform your civic duty yeah um but you know there is we'll share a link to devoter just just in case you want to look at look at it i think it's the only way to vote third party or something without really throwing your vote away. And basically all it is is um, you find somebody of the opposite main party hmm. who, you know, if I would have voted for Biden, <laughs> it's funny, you know, and and you would have voted for Trump, you know, we, we, we get together and we, um, we vote for a third party. So hmm. basically all it is is I'm not, get, I'm not throwing no, my vote out. Right. I'm not throwing my vote out and you and and you still vote for right. the other party. Yeah. It's yeah. we cancel each other out right. basically. And that's, and, and then we're we're yeah. we're not just backing out of the process. You know, it's not you and me deciding, "Hey, neither of us are going to vote." Then, you know, that doesn't affect it just as much as both of us voting for somebody else. Um, cuz then then you're just pulling out of your, the the political process, you're pulling right. out of your civic duty. The issue is coming together and showing that uh, you break, breaking out of the two-party system yeah. is important enough to you to do this without really throwing away your vote. Now, I don't know. That that might be a good option, especially if you're in a state that you know where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. No no question. You know, Pennsylvania is not quite <laughs> like that. Um, but, you know, that that might be an option. That's that's a way to vote third party, and I think right. that's a respectable option. Yeah, it, it, seems, it seems it. Um, where I was going with that is those that would just vote third party mm. while, you know, they know their neighbors right. fed up with it, but yeah. they're just going to go ahead and vote Democrat. Remember that in this life we, we are, there is a war raging mm. and the enemy's not going to be, the, the enemy wants you to not vote because he's got his base voting. Mm. That makes sense. If I can mm. use it loosely, the enemy, yeah. right? right? The deceiver and his, uh, and his plans for this world, for this country, they are not going to to not vote. Right. <laughs> there's right. there's nothing holding them back. So you've got to remember right. that when Christians step out of the civil sphere, mm. we just we we make a, a void that is going to be filled by the enemy. Right. And the enemy's minions. The enemy isn't backing off. Right. The enemy isn't retreating. Mm -hmm. The enemy isn't slacking off on all the available opportunities. So why why should Christians? Right. Let's shift gears okay. um, to uh, another, uh, it's not so much a misunderstanding about the election, I would say, but a misunderstanding about basic theology, about, about the Christian gospel. Right. The, and it comes up fairly often, and it comes not just with regard to politics or the election or anything like that, but this, this specific misunderstanding comes up all the time amongst Christians. 
So why yeah. don't you read your yeah, so meme? This Twitter screenshot of this post says, when Christians say you must vote for Biden if you're a Christian, or you must vote for Trump if you're a Christian, then what they're telling the world is as Christians, we're saved through Jesus' death and who we vote for. This is preaching a false gospel. There is a lot <laughs> wrong with this. Uh, There's a lot wrong with this. It's so messed up. But it's, it's, it <laughs> is astonishing how common this misunderstanding is. Yeah. Um, it, it, I'll give you a couple other easy examples. Um, the issue of baptism. Mm. This comes up. Right. All the time. Anytime somebody says that Christians must be baptized, right? To, to word it that way, to say Christ commands us to be baptized, wording it any way like that, that it is an imperative. Right. Christians are to be baptized. Well, then it's part of the gospel. Oh, so you're saying we're saved by Christ's death and by being baptized? Yeah. Oh, you're saying we're saved by faith and by doing something? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that any more than I'm saying... Um, Husbands love your wives. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're saying <laughs> Christian husbands oh, must love their you're wives. You're saying in order to be a Christian as a man, if you're a husband, in order to be saved, mm-hmm. you have to trust in Christ and love your wife. That's what you're saying. <laughs> that's the gospel. That that's a false gospel. Right. If you say to wives, respect your husbands, oh, you're saying that how a, a how a wife is saved is justified before God is by putting her faith in Christ and by treating her husband a certain way by by works by doing it's just the most asinine mm-hmm. absurd objection right to to any kind of imperatives that come along in the Christian life the, when Christ gave the great commission to the disciples and said um, make disciples of all nations baptizing them uh, and teaching them to obey what everything that I've commanded Mm -hmm. teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. Oh, so you're saying (laughs) in order to be saved, somebody has to be baptized by an apostle and be, and obey everything that Christ. No, 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 no. (laughs) Right. The process of discipleship, the process of maturing as a follower of Christ is one of walking in obedience to his word. Mm-hmm. That That's what being a disciple right. is, is, is this process of growing in, in walking in obedience to his word. Um, by me saying Christians cannot rightly murder somebody just because they don't like how they talked to them. Oh, you're saying, yeah. you know, it's right. just, it's just it's so just, ingenuous. It's insane. It's disingenuous. So it, it's totally dishonest right. and disingenuous. And it, and it totally, and it perfect, it actually perfectly sums up the point that we've been trying to make because the same person that retweeted that reposted that tweet mm-hmm. would listen to this podcast and be like, you're adding to the gospel with that same reasoning, right? With, a, with right. our arguments right. we just laid out. Right. But if you listen to what we just said, we're saying, no, you have a, a responsibility, an imperative to right. do all these things, right. which we would argue includes taking part in the political process here in this country out of love for neighbor, mm-hmm. out of being a upright citizen, uh, you know, to do these, to be a dominion taker, to do these things. And it doesn't add to the gospel. The gospel right. is the gospel. Right. It, but but it doesn't add to the gospel <laughs> right because we are saved by God's grace mm-hmm. apart from our works yeah. so that no one can boast it doesn't have anything to do with right. what we've done or what we can do salvation is by faith in Christ alone by the grace of God received through faith in Christ alone right that's it yeah and, and we're saved by God's grace we're forever kept saved by God's grace we're, we don't lose our salvation or anything yeah. like that but based upon anything that we do after we're saved either. Yeah. But Christ calls us to follow him, mm-hmm. not just to uh, ask him to save us from hell so that we can con- continue living our lives however we want. Mm-hmm. Christ calls us to follow him and he's commanded us to live a certain way. He's uh, showing and teaching us a new way to be human. And one of the responsibilities of Christians in the from the Great Commission is to teach believers to obey everything that Christ has commanded. Right. So when I say Christians can't commit adultery 
well, does that mean I'm adding to the gospel? No, no. I'm saying it's completely contrary. It's inconsistent with who you are in Christ. It's contrary to the will and word of God. Yeah. It's not an option for Christians. Does that mean that uh, a Christian has some innate inability to go commit adultery? No, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Am I saying if a Christian were to commit adultery, that means that, you know, that makes them lose their salvation? No, I'm saying a Christian can't rightly do that and still be mm-hmm. uh, actively following Christ in the same instance. Right. It, it, it's incongruous with who you are in Christ. It's right. contrary to being a faithful disciple of Christ. Yeah. And so even with MacArthur's quote that I shared on Facebook, um, Christians can't, Christians cannot vote for a person or party. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying if somebody votes for Biden, they're not saved. No, <laughs> that's not what MacArthur's saying. That's right. not what we're saying. Right. We're, we're saying it's incongruous with mm-hmm. the, with the word of God. Right. Absolutely. And I, and I think we, we really we're bringing this to the forefront because the whole thrust of that post is to make you get off their back. Mm-hmm. They want you off their back right. because I can almost guarantee by the way these friends of mine have been posting online mm-hmm. about this election, about the debates, they voted third party mm-hmm. and they want people to leave them alone. Right. They want Christians right. to stop talking about Trump right. and about how you should really vote for Trump. They, they're they sick of hearing it. Right. And so this is somebody lashing out to say, you are you are making this you know, so much bigger than it is. You're making it about the gospel. So mm-hmm. they're using this illogical, this false uh, reasoning, <laughs> this really bad argument, yeah. to try to burden you to leave them alone. And so right. don't be led astray by this. When right. you see it on, your fa- on, on the face of it, a lot of Christians are going to look at it and say, you know, that just sounds wrong. It sounds off. And they may right. not think through quite why. So that's why right. we walked through it. Right. But we also want you to understand that you can't listen to that kind of stuff. Don't get caught up in those accusations. Right. Right. That by wanting to support one candidate over the other, or you think, you know, that the current president is actually going to be probably the best option moving forward um, for now, right. <laughs> uh, then mm. you're going to... So you're going to vote for him. Don't let this slow you up because it's a really bad argument. It's it's kind of a bullying tactic. It is. It is a bullying tactic. It's an absolutely absurd argument. It's lashing out. That's that's purely for the sake of uh, putting the other person on the defense. Yeah. Yeah. Leave me alone. Get off my back. Yeah. Stop posting things on my social media account that that make me feel like I should have voted differently. That kind of thing. So... Uh, we wanted you just, you know, be wary of that kind of stuff. Good. I was going to close this out. Oh, all right. Do you have more to say? <laughs> no, that, no, I think that's good. Uh, we 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 want uh, you guys, you you three listeners, to um, <laughs> to just think through these things critically. To to constantly be weighing your your thoughts, your mm-hmm. um, your worldview, your affections. Um, and your practices against the word of God, you know, recalibrating constantly to be more in line with the word of God and to uh, treat others graciously. And even as you have severe disagreements and disagreements because we're talking about matters that really are important. I mean, it's not, it's not like, well, we have disagreements about who to vote for. Just leave each other alone because it really makes no difference. Mm. No, it actually, it It makes a big difference. Yeah. And it and it matters because we're talking about justice, broadly speaking. Right. I, I mean, you know, that's the overarching thing. Yeah. We're talking about really important, specific things, but but ultimately, we're just we're talking about the nature of justice and and the direction our country is going to head. So it, it really is important. But as Christians, we need to be able to think through it and talk through it um, critically, carefully, and um, j- joyfully. So right. that people ask us for a reason for the hope that we have. Absolutely. And I and I think what plays into that hope is remembering that Caesar is not Lord. We do not worship either candidate. We do not worship the candidate we're going to vote for. You need to remember that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father right now. He's right. making the nations his footstool. Right. And so be encouraged. Take hope that no matter mm-hmm. how this election goes, Christ is still king. Right. We are still his people. But we have this responsibility to interact with the world that we're in, in the context we're mm-hmm. in, with the laws, the government, the form of government that we have in this constitutional republic. So take heart. Christ is king. If you're interested in learning more about 
anything, if, if there's any chance that we could possibly convince you to uh, adjust your thinking on anything, we'll be sure to check the show notes. We'll have some links to some really good resources, what to follow to stay up to date on things. Don't forget to always check the show notes. Right. Thanks again. Until next time, Godspeed. Godspeed.